0: morning church morning. how y'all doing today good we are going through a sermon called finite god as you can see in the video one of the greatest temptations we have as a people is to relegate god to certain aspects or areas of our lives not to submit to him as the infinite god that he truly is And when it comes to difficult moments in our lives we oftentimes have to ask what kind of a god do i serve do i serve an infinite all-powerful all-knowing all-loving all-gracious god or do I serve a finite God? And this is so important in the difficult moments of life, those moments in which we feel stretched, those moments in which we feel thin, those moments in we, where we feel like our foundation is moving underneath us. In fact, one of the things that brings this to mind, it's summertime. How many of you guys are enjoying your summer? Anyway. Yeah, thank you. Summertime is a time of family vacations, it's a time of uh, travel, it's a season of binge-watching our favorite uh, shows, blockbuster movies. Summer is a time of trying to find, especially in Phoenix, uh, ways to get some physical exercise in, in some sort of air-conditioned space because it's 217 degrees outside. But one of the things, whether you are traveling or uh, you are just uh, finishing up uh, binge-watching Stranger Things or the Bob Ross Marathon, or maybe it's right before you're about to go for a run on a uh, treadmill or at 3 a.m. in the morning, which are the only two possible options we currently have available to us, you're going to the gym to work out and lift some weights, what's one of the things that you see in every one of those Scenarios. What do you do? What's the first thing you do when you get out of the car or off the plane after a long trip? Right? You guys, show me. You guys ever stretch before? What do you do when you're done binge watching Stranger Things or the Bob Ross painting marathon? Get up from the couch and you go, oh, come on now, show me how you stretch. You stretch. Oh. Just before you're about to go for a run, what do you do? You st- I'm not going to embarrass myself by trying, but you stretch. <laughs> Before working out, what do you do, right? You stretch. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Now, why do you do that? Well, one of the things is when you're in a confined space, when you're, when you're dormant for too long and you need to call yourself into activity, you kind of got to wake up the body a little bit. So you're getting out of bed, you're getting uh, out of a plane, uh, you're getting off the couch. To stretch is to wake things up a little bit, right? Right? If you don't do that, you can really hurt yourself. If you go to the, uh, for a run, or just before going for a run, or you're at the gym, if you do not stretch, you will not go the distance for very long. If you do not stretch, you are liable to hurt yourself. So why do we stretch? Well, to call the body into activity, to wake things up, to get the blood flowing, and to prepare ourselves from the heavier, for the heavier weight that's coming, or to prepare ourselves to go, for the, to go the distance. Now, if that's true with the physical body, then it's true of our whole persons. There are moments where we need to what? Stretch. Now, Jesus knows this. In fact, for those of us that follow after Jesus, striving to live as his disciples, one of the things that you'll come to notice very quickly is that there are myriad opportunities. There are thousands of opportunities for you as a follower of Jesus to what? stretch. And so here's the question. Will God show up when I'm stretched? Because if I serve a finite God, he ain't going to show up. So what's going to be my uh, desire to follow a finite God into stretch moments? Teeny tiny. But if God is an infinite God, if he's all-powerful, all-loving, all-gracious, if he is ever with me, if his spirit dwells within me, Then, when he calls me into stretch moments, I know the answer. Will God show up when I'm stretched? Now, does everyone know the answer? You think you do. Right? Everyone in here, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian. By the way, if you're not a Christian, you're still trying to figure out who Jesus is. I'm so glad you're here. It's going to get insane today because I'm going to be yelling at Christians for a little bit. It's going to be tons of fun. I'm glad you're here. Picked a great day to be here. You're going to actually eavesdrop on us as a church family wrestling with one of the hardest teachings of Jesus. And for those of you uh, that follow after Jesus, uh, be encouraged. <laughs> okay, so here's what we're going to do. Stretch moments. Stretch moments. Uh, I'm gonna go to the text. I'm not actually gonna ask you to open your Bibles just yet. What I'm gonna ask you to do is take a big, deep breath. And I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes. I'm not gonna do anything weird. I'm just gonna read this. But the reason I would like for you to close your eyes instead of reading along is, number one, the scriptures were actually designed to be read out loud. Primarily not to be read, but to be read out loud so that we can engage it together as a community. Two, I want you to ignite your mind's eye. And I want you to see Jesus standing amongst a crowd of the sick and the tormented. I want you to hear Jesus as he, reads these, as he says these words to those who are following him. I want you to put yourself in that crowd and hear, as if for the first time, Jesus teaching. And so if you would, please close your eyes and let your mind's eye follow along. This is Jesus speaking throughout the whole text. But I say to you who listen, love your enemies. Do what is good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If anyone hits you on the cheek, offer to them the other also. If anyone takes away your coat, Do not hold back your shirt either. Give to everyone who asks you. And from someone who takes your things, don't ask for them back. Just as you want others to do for you, do the same for them. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do what is good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to be repaid in full. But, love your enemies. Do what is good and lend expecting nothing in return, then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High for he is gracious to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful just as your father also is merciful. This is the word of the Lord. Remember when we said yes to the stretch thing? Would God show up when I'm stretched? And we all said, of course the answer is yes. Are you sure? Because what he just called me into, what he just said as a disciple of Jesus, what he, the lifestyle that he just called me into sounds absolutely absurd. You want me to do what now, Jesus? You want me to love my whom? What did he say? Love your... Love your enemies. Now, I want you to think about the group of people that he's talking to. First, we'll take a look at the text. This is in Luke 6, 27 through 36. Jesus says, but I say to you who listen, who are the people listening? It's a crowd full of the sick, the disenfranchised, the tormented. There's also power brokers in the room. There are people in the room, excuse me, in the room, in the audience. There are uh, people who are insiders religiously. There are a ton of religious outsiders. He's talking to a diverse, eclectic group of people from all over the map people who have been subject to uh, social injustices, people who have suffered under the violent oppression of the occupying force of Rome. And Jesus says to them the most audacious thing that anyone could possibly ever say. He says, love your... Do what is good to those who... Bless those who... Pray for those who... Did you see it? Love, do, bless, pray... Jesus is calling us not just to have nice feelings about somebody. Jesus is not just calling us to have a a gentle disposition towards our enemies. What is he calling us to? A love that acts. Do you see it? He says, love your enemies. Okay, Jesus, what do you want me to do? Well, I want you to do what is good. To whom? Those who? I want you to bless those who? and I want you to pray for those who? This is completely upside down. This is not the way the world works, man. I mean, Jesus is being a bit naive, if you ask me. If he's a finite God, he's an idiot. Because this don't work. But if he's an infinite God, then something else must be going on here. Something that absolutely undermines all of the brokenness that we see in the world. Jesus must be speaking about something radically, profoundly deeper than just how to get along. Jesus is speaking to an audience of people who know what it's like to have enemies. What about you? You got enemies? Some of you are like, yeah, he's talking right now on the stage. (laughs) Where are the stretch moments in your life? The workplace, your community, your family, your church, your city, your state, your nation, internationally? Where are the stretch moments? Where are the places that Jesus has called you into where you have enemies? And putting this into practice, apart from an infinite God, would be absolutely insane, absurd, stupid, dumb, ridiculous, crazy. Where are your stretch moments? Where are the places that Jesus is calling you to? Now, Jesus pushes it. He says this. Okay, Jesus, love, bless, pray for, cool. I don't want to do that, but I'll say yes, because, you know, we're a church. Then Jesus doubles down. If anyone hits you on the cheek, offer them the other also. This is an act of insult, right? I insult you, and you say, go ahead and do it again. If anyone takes away takes away your coat, don't hold back your shirt either. Give to everyone, oh man, (laughs) this is insane. And from someone who, don't ask for him back. Come on, come on bro, you don't really mean that Jesus, do you? See, he's trying to stretch us. He's going to put us in scenarios in which we are insulted, taken advantage of. He's going to put us in scenarios in which we are the victim of some sort of insult or abuse. He's going to put us in scenarios where someone takes something from us. And then he's going to say to us in that moment of stretching, love your enemy. Who's taken something from you? Who's insulted you? Who's demanded something of you? Who's, who's, uh, who, who is asking something from you and pressuring you to do it? Jesus says, love your enemy. Bless, pray. Oh, man. Are you kidding me? Oh, it gets worse. Howard Thurman uh, wrote a book called Jesus and the Disinherited, and I'm going to actually borrow his paradigm. He's got this great uh, paradigm. I'm going to use my own words for it. Uh, but he's got this great paradigm where he talks about, he, has, he, he says, when it comes to enemies, we generally have three different types of enemies. When we, when we think about living out Luke chapter 6, there's generally three places or ways that we live that out. The first is personal. That's what most of us are familiar with. We have personal enemies. Someone in my family, someone in my community, someone in my church, someone in my workplace has done me wrong and has become my enemy, and so I'm against them. And what Thurman argues is the thing to pursue, because you already have a relationship, is peace, reconciliation, forgiveness, grace, putting into practice that which Jesus has taught us. Now for most of us, that, listen, most of us know the right thing to do. What we lack is an infinite God who's gonna show up when we follow him to do it. So I'm not gonna belabor that point. But there's a second thing that Thurman says. He said there are people in positions of power, so not just personal, but there are power authorities or power brokers who have sway over us, whose decisions impact our lives that we may or may not know. Think about the owner of the company you work for. Think about the mayor. Think about the governor. Think about people who have authority over you. Maybe it's it's an extended family, someone who's got authority over you, whose decisions impact positively or negatively, whose decisions impact your life, that can become your enemy even without you ever meeting. You with me? Like the, like the VP of your company, you may never meet, but they can make decisions that cause you to be en- enemies. You, you know that's true, right? The same thing can be true in government or in community, broadly. And he says when it comes to power brokers, power authorities, one of the things that we can control, we can't necessarily control meeting the person. You guys know that, right? You don't always get access. But what we can control is the disposition of our heart towards them. And if we make them out to be enemies to be destroyed in our hearts, we run contrary to the grain of this teaching. And so when we look at those power brokers, those power authorities, those whose decisions impact our lives, Luke 6 teaches, Jesus is teaching us here, that our response to that is to make sure that our hearts are humanizing them and are praying for their flourishing now that doesn't mean to propagate the evil that they're doing, by no means. Because true human flourishing only comes with a life connected to Jesus and a life living according to Jesus. And so we can pray contrary to their actions, but we can pray for their flourishing, not for their destruction. Thurman goes on to say there's another one, and I'll use the word political. Uh, enemy states, right? If, our, if your nation, the nation you live in, is at war with another nation, who's your enemy nationally? The other nation. Now, you may never meet the other unless perhaps you're in government or a soldier. Regardless of where you're at, whether it's uh, the state or another state, we can have enemies that are more than just one person, but they're a system or it's an organization of people. Do you see? Uh, In uh, the 1940s, Americans were told that their enemies were the Germans and the Japanese. Do you see? It's an entire people group. Are you guys with me? It's not just a person or a leader, it's an entire system of people. And Thurman says that when we come into that, it's the same as those who are power brokers. It's the disposition of my heart to dehumanize and destroy or to humanize and seek their flourishing. Now, one of the things that I'm not articulating and not striving for is uh, pacifism. I don't think that's what Jesus is talking about here. But let me push it. For the soldiers that I know and pastor, one of the hardest decisions they have to make is when do I pull the trigger? And I think what Jesus is teaching us here is when that moment comes, if we are justifying that behavior by saying that individual is subhuman, is not human, then we're not in a position to righteously pull the trigger. When we as a nation think about enemy nations, if we assume, if if we give ourselves over to the rhetoric of those are monsters, not children made in the image and likeness of God, then we err and we go against the grain of Jesus' teaching here. And so we as a people, for those who are following Jesus, what is the disposition of your heart towards your enemies? Even if you can't meet them and reconcile, we can still be responsible for what's going on in here. Do you see? And so love your enemies. He pushes it. Let's continue. Just as you want others to do for you, do the same for them. What's this called? It's the um, silver suggestion. It's the, um, oh, the golden rule. That's right, the golden rule. Yes, I've heard this before. Just as you want others to do for you, do the same for them. Jesus wants us to put our love into action. Listen, listen now. Jesus is calling us to put love into action towards people who do not deserve grace. He's calling us to love and to proactively seek the flourishing of those who do not deserve it. Do you see it? Okay, let's keep going. You'll see in the text, mm. oh my goodness, <laughs> this is not a mushy disposition, by the way. This, Jesus is not calling us here to simply be doormats. Do you not see how this is a strong act of courage and defiance against the corrupt systems of the world that seek to cause us to remain enemies? To love our enemy as ourselves, to seek the good of our enemy, to seek the flourishing of our enemy is not an act of weakness. It's a strong, courageous stand against the systems of evil that seek to separate us. And so we are never called to simply be doormats. We're never called simply to have a mushy disposition towards someone. We are to seek not the uh, propagating of evil in them. We are to seek their true flourishing, which in some cases means repentance and turning to Jesus. Jesus pushes the point. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do what is good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Lend to sinners to be repaid in full. Do you see, uh, oh, this is one of the most rhythmic uh, texts in Jesus' teaching. Do you see this cycle? I mean, he's just pounding it into our face. If we simply do maintain the status quo, What will that change? We'll just keep killing each other. And so an act of loving one's enemy is an act of defiance against the status quo systems that seek to destroy us. Vengeance and cycles of retaliation are killing us. And Jesus is seeking our flourishing. Mm. Let's continue on. But... And do what is good. And, okay, do you see how this impacts our minds, our hearts, and our actions and resources? Do you see how comprehensive Jesus is being here? He, bring, he starts bringing in this lending business. Uh, earlier it said if someone takes your cloak, don't, don't forget to give them your shirt as well. It's a life of generosity, even towards your enemies. This is insanity if we have a finite God if we have an infinite God, it may be that he's shaping us into a people to directly contradict and counteract the evil structures of retaliation and vengeance that we see that are killing us. Jesus is deploying his troops against the forces of darkness. Do you not see it? For if we simply maintain status quo, if we simply maintain, I'm gonna keep mine and you can keep yours, if we simply maintain eye for an eye, if we simply maintain you did me dirty and I'm gonna do you dirty now, If we simply maintain that, we will be nothing more than agents of darkness. But Jesus is saying, no, when you are wronged, not if, but when you are wronged, love your enemy. Love, do, lend. (sighs) Are you encouraged right? (laughs) Mm. Now I want you to think for a minute. I want you to think. What? would the impact be in North Phoenix if we actually did this? If we did more than talk about it, how would Phoenix change? What would be the impact in our city? What would be the impact in our state? What would be the impact in our nation if disciples of Jesus actually did it? Now, I'm convinced that it's already happening because I know in many of your lives, you have sought to do this very thing. And I'm giving my life over to the fact that I believe that Jesus wants to use Desert Springs Bible Church to transform North Phoenix through a radically diverse and radically unified and radically different and radically Jesus-centered community that seeks to not only love the enemy from a distance, but love the enemy by taking communion with enemies and watching as those enemies become friends. I've given my life over to it. What kind of a change would we make in this community if we actually live this? Well, I'll tell you some of them. I'm not making any commentary on anything I'm about to say other than to point out the power of Jesus. All right, you guys with me on that? So if you start writing an email, just pray through it before you send it to me. Here we go. In this room, I was thinking about it the other day, in this room, I have seen in these seats a DACA, 18-year-old recipient of DACA. She was brought over when she was four or five by her parents. She's scared to death right now about what's going on. Standing three seats away from a gentleman I know and love wearing a Trump T-shirt who is at all the rallies. What power force exists in the universe to put those two people together in the same room singing the same song? I have been in this room where I have seen divorced and still animated against one another, divorced husbands and wives. They're generally further away than three seats. (laughs) Standing in this room, trying to make it work, Unified, not by their affinity with one another, but by Jesus. Singing the same song in the same space. I have been in this room. Oh, I'm one of them. Where you've got an ex-skinhead standing right next to a person with a Black Lives Matter t-shirt singing the same song to the same Jesus. What power force exists in the universe that does that? I have been in this room when recently fired employees are sitting just down the aisle from the boss who fired them singing the same song to the same Jesus. What power force exists in the universe that can make that happen? I have been in this room, I have been in this room with an Iraqi national who is sitting just a few rows away from an Iraqi war veteran. If they would have been in the same space, same proximity, different country, different time, They would have been shooting each other. And yet they were in this room singing the same song to the same God. A finite God cannot do that. Only an infinite God can do that. And I'm convinced that as we lean into these stretch moments, moments in which we are confronted with our enemies and have a decision, do I seek to destroy or do I seek to love? When we choose to love, not only is God honored, but this city would be radically transformed. So how do we do that? I'm gonna, this is not just something we want to talk about. I actually, I'm calling you to actually do the thing. Because if we just talk about it and don't do the thing, that's not living as disciples of Jesus. That's just studying what Jesus says. But we want to be disciples, and we want to put it into practice. One of the things you'll see all around our campus is this slide, our next step slide. One of the key uh, steps for every disciple of Jesus is tables. Build relationships. If you are not currently, frequently, consistently gathering around tables with people who are different than you to talk about Jesus and how he, how he calls us to live in reality, I'm going I'm to press you. Let today be the day that you make the decision to become a part of a group of people that are different than you to study Jesus together. We've got a ton of different groups. Your next step, uh, to take that next step, fill out that next steps card in the back of the seat in front of you drop it off at direct and connect uh, i'd also love to invite you pastor matt and i are running uh, a group right now on thursday night called summer sessions if you've never been a part of a group or or, or you're not currently a uh, part of gathering with uh, other followers of jesus who are different than you to study his word i want to encourage you join us this thursday 6 30 in the lobby It's a great opportunity just to even see what groups can be like in your life. Uh, We're actually starting a multi-week study on heaven and hell and what happens when you die. And I just want to tell you, most of what we think as a a culture is just so dumb. (laughs) This has nothing to do with the scriptures. And so we're going to actually study the scriptures together on heaven, hell, and what happens when you die. I'd love to have you join us, 6.30, every Thursday in the lobby. Please, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, would you join us? Because we want to be a, a people group that puts this into practice. We have an opportunity. Uh, we'll see what Jesus says next here. We have an opportunity to put this into practice. Now, Jesus says, then your reward will be great and you will be children of the most high God. That's not a positional statement. That's saying you will live as his children. You will actually be putting on display the fact that you're children of God. For he is To whom? The ungrateful and the... And by the way, apart from Jesus, who fits in that category? Be merciful, just as also is merciful. Why should we love our enemies? Because Jesus has loved his enemies. You and I would not be here apart from the love of Jesus. You see, Jesus calls us to do what he has done towards us, to love the ones who are not deserving of it, to show grace to the unrighteous, to seek the flourishing of the undeserving. Jesus is simply calling us to do what he has already done. Oh, church family, we have such a moment to shine or to just ruin it. I don't know if you've noticed, but if you haven't, you will. We are currently in the throes of the election cycle, time of unity and peace amongst people in our great nation and this election cycle and I'm not just talking about policy conversations in fact much of what I'm hearing from many of us isn't about policy it's not about governing it's about identity it's about value systems and much of it's about nasty unfounded rhetoric hatred and saying violent nasty things to people groups that are different than me So when I talk about the election cycle, I'm not talking about policies. I'm talking about our hearts here. And boy, do we have an opportunity to shine. And to love our enemies. And to pray for those. And to seek the blessing of those. And to love those who we count to be enemy. And in groups like the one I just mentioned, when we're sitting around tables from one another, we are putting on display the power of Christ in our patience, in our forgiveness, in our gracious attitudes towards one another. And if God is a finite God, this sucks. And this is impossible. And all we're going to do is cut each other. I don't mean theoretically. I mean actually pull out blades and have those gnarly like knife fights that they used to have in the 1700s. If Jesus is a finite God, That's what's down the lane for us. But if he's an infinite God, oh, we just might find that we can live in love and peace with our natural enemies. But is he going to show up when I'm stretched? Oh, yes. Friends, I want to encourage you just in a couple of things real quick. Number one, when we're at these tables... Oh, man. Oh, this is something you already know, but we might not be applying in all aspects of our lives. Um, Let me try this. When you're at tables with people who are different than you or you're on Facebook and and not reading your Bible, um, just don't be discipled more by Facebook than Jesus. Just quick, quick jab. Um, When that happens and we're confronted with an idea or an opinion or perspective that's contrary to ours, remember, stretch. Right? Jesus might be stretching you to get ready to go the distance. He might might be getting you stretched to put up more weight than you're used to bearing right now. When you're confronted with opinions and perspectives that are contrary to your own, remember, stretch. Two, let me just give you something. When my wife says to me, Caleb, we have a problem. Even if I cannot see the problem or do not understand the problem or do not agree with her perspective on the problem, because we are in loving family with one another, if my wife says to me, Caleb, we have a problem, there's a problem. You with me? Even if I don't understand, even if I can't see it, even if I don't agree that there's a problem, because I'm in family with her, if she says there's a problem, what? all right now i'm going to push us and then we're going to talk about jesus again and then we're going to pray and close okay when our sisters say to us there is a problem in the church and the problem is sexism and misogyny even if i can't see the problem even if i can't understand the problem even if i disagree with the problem because we're in family together if they say there's a problem There's a problem. And my heart of loving enemies, even though we're in families family together, should be inclined towards grace, seeking to understand, not to win the argument. Because I might have something to learn in the process. And, God forbid, I might be wrong and need to change my mind. It hasn't happened in 27 years, but one day it might. (laughs) When our minority culture, brothers and sisters, say there's a problem, because even if I can't see the problem, even if I can't understand the problem, even if I don't agree with the problem, because we're in family together, what? If they say there's a problem, there's a problem. If majority culture, brothers and sisters, say there is a problem of being mischaracterized and being misunderstood, even if I can't see the problem, even if I can't understand the problem, even if I don't agree, if they say there's a problem, there's a problem. If our immigrant and international brothers and sisters say to us, there is a problem in the church of nationalism and ethnocentrism, even if I can't see the problem, even if I don't understand the problem, even if I don't agree that there's a problem, if they say there's a problem because we're in family, there's a problem. And the tenor of every teaching of Jesus is to lay down my rights, my preferences, my way of thinking to elevate and to better the other. Jesus is calling us into some stretch moments, church family. Jesus is calling us into hard conversations, church family. Jesus is calling us to be at table who are going to say things that drive us absolutely bonkers and want us to flip over the table. But Jesus is no finite God. Oh, no. In his infinite love and mercy, he's given to us everything that we possibly need to be able to take each of these stretch moments with courage and faith moving forward, knowing that he will not only call us to it, but bring it through it. So my question for you is this. Is your God going to show up when he calls you into these stretch moments? Oh, friends, you serve an infinitely loving, infinitely gracious, infinitely powerful, all-knowing Savior. And he is an infinite God who's going to call you into these stretch moments so that you might grow, and so you might put his grace on display. Don't run from it. Embrace it. Let's pray. Lord, we love you, and we see in your life and teaching your radical love for us. Would you help us moment by moment to embrace it? And as you call us into these stretch moments, Lord, would you give us the courage and the strength to be obedient to you? We pray this, knowing that you loved us, though we were once your enemies. Help us to love ours. In Jesus' name, amen.